It is Wednesday, April 6th, and this is People Every Day. Happy Hump Day, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. We've got a wide range of stories to fill you in on today. Some updates, some true crime, and some spring TV wrecks. So let's dive right in. Die-hard star and beloved American actor Bruce Willis is on the cover of this week's issue. And as many of you may know by now, last week, Willis's family revealed he is dealing with aphasia, and it's impacting his cognitive abilities. A source tells People in this week's cover story that Willis's loved ones are more grateful than ever for joyful family times, including the 10th birthday of his daughter Mabel just two days after announcing his retirement from acting. A source close to the Willis's told People that Bruce's family is doing whatever they can to support him and added that they have rallied around him in a big way to help Bruce cope with what is to come. Bruce shares three daughters with ex-wife Demi Moore, a rumor Scout and Tallulah, and has two younger daughters, Mabel and Evelyn, with his current wife, model Emma Hemming Willis. And this week's issue highlights the bond between Bruce and his family, especially with his wife, Emma. The two were married in 2009, and as the couple shared with people back in 2016, they experienced love at first sight. They said, quote, When we first met, I was surprised at how charming and how funny he was, and extremely handsome. That was my first thought of you. That That was Emma talking about Willis, of course. And Willis added, I was already in love with her. Be sure to check out this week's issue to hear more about Bruce and the woman supporting him through his toughest time. We continue to wish them nothing but the best. Erica Girardi is back in the news, and it looks like it's getting even more expensive to be Erica Girardi. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star has been named as the front woman, quote, front woman, in her ex-husband Tom Girardi's fraud scheme. In court documents obtained by People, the 50-year-old Housewives alum is being sued alongside her company, EJ Global LLC, the Girardi and Keith Law Firm and its lenders. The new lawsuit, which was filed by the Edelson PC Law Firm, seeks an amount of no less than $55 million in damages. As we've discussed previously on the show, Tom Girardi's law firm, Girardi & Keese, is accused of stealing more than $100 million from the firm's clients, co-counsel, vendors, and many others who did business for the firm. The lawsuit alleges that Girardi & Keese, quote, was siphoning off millions to fund Tom's and Erica's all-consuming need to spend, funding a lifestyle so lavish that Erica was a cast member of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And then court documents claim... The couple certainly played up the part of flaunting their wealth and the fact that Tom was a powerful attorney who wooed celebrities, judges, and politicians alike. Now, Edelson PC also referred to the situation as a, quote, scheme, claiming that Erica, quote, acted as the front woman of the operation and displayed a nationwide showroom of the money they stole on Real Housewives. So Erica filed for divorce from Tom, who's 82, in November of 2020 after being married for more than two decades. Tom currently resides in a skilled nursing facility as he deals with dementia and Alzheimer's disease. People has reached out to Erica's attorney as well as Girardi and Keese for comment. Tom's lawyer declined to comment. 
There is some clarification coming from Kardashian land. Yesterday, you heard us try and piece together what exactly happened with Kourtney Kardashian and boo Travis Barker after the Grammys on Sunday night. Well, we finally have our answer. Photos posted to Instagram confirmed that the two did indeed have a wedding in Las Vegas in the wee hours of Monday morning following the Grammys. Kourtney included several photos from their trip to the One Love Wedding Chapel in her post with a caption that read, found these in my camera roll. (laughs) Once upon a time in a land far, far away, Las Vegas, at 2 a.m., after an epic night and a little tequila, a queen and her handsome king ventured out to the only open chapel with an Elvis and got married with no license. Practice makes perfect. (laughs) So it appears the Kardashian star and the Blink-182 drummer did have a wedding ceremony, but are not legally married as of yet. I'm sure when the official wedding does happen, it will be very big, very Kardashian, and very unforgettable. Now for a much more serious story involving a woman and a crime that many haven't ever been able to forget, Andrea Yates. You may recall she was the mother who drowned her children in a bathtub over 20 years ago. Yesterday, we learned Yates declined release from a mental health hospital yet again. Time to take a look back at her unique sentencing and what's been happening in the years since. Nearly 21 years ago, the world was stunned and deeply disturbed when Andrea Yates, a mother of five, confessed to drowning all of her children one by one in a bathtub. And she was later revealed to have been struggling with postpartum depression, among other mental health issues. It was a trial that took the nation by storm and had many wondering if she was a villain or a victim. And those are the exact words, actually, that were on the cover of People all those years ago. The trial in 2002 was aired live and had people trying to make sense of the crime as the prosecution fought for capital punishment and her defense attorney argued reasons for insanity. We are going to recap all the details of this story and update you on some new developments now more than two decades later. Here to help me with that is People's senior writer, Steve Helling. Hey, Steve. Hey, how are you? As good as you can be re- recapping this story. I, I remember when it first came out, but as a mom now, it impacts me even more. Um, the fact that she admitted to this horrific crime and that her husband at the time stood by her throughout the trial added to the shock value of this case. So, so for those of our listeners that do not remember this story, can you give us a recap on what happened and how this all unfolded 21 years ago? Andrea Yates was a mom, and her husband worked for NASA. They lived outside Houston. And one day, her husband went to work. And while he was at work, she took their five children. There were four boys and a girl. The oldest one was seven. And methodically, one by one, drowned them in the bathtub. She put the kids in bed after she'd finished drowning them. And as soon as she was done, she called 911 and said that police needed to come. And then she called her husband at work and said, you need to come home. Oh, my goodness. And how she was 37 at the time of all of this. 
what was that 911 call like? Do you remember hearing that? The 911 call didn't illuminate very much. She just said that she needed police and that they needed to come. It wasn't a panicked one saying, you know, I've drowned my kids or anything like that. What ended up happening is when the police came, of course, it was very obvious what had happened and she admitted to everything that she did. It seemed like an open and shut case until we started understanding what her, you know, mental capacity and abilities were at that point. Well, let's break down the sentencing in that regard. What was the original sentencing? Well, she was originally convicted of murder and, you know, she was going to spend the rest of her life in jail. That's really what this looked like it was going to be. And her lawyers kept saying, you know, she has severe mental issues. You know, she was suffering from postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, schizophrenia. So they were saying she was really diminished capacity when this happened. The feeling was putting her in prison was going to be cruel and unusual. Do you recall at all what the sense was, the general consensus, like when people were talking about this story? I most certainly do, because I was working for People magazine at the time. You know, I remember this case uh, vividly. There were two different trains of thought here, because there were people who were just crying out for justice for these children. But then, you know, this was a time that, you know, postpartum depression was kind of known about, but nobody was really talking about postpartum psychosis. So, you know, we were all kind of getting an education about what this looks like and how many women it really affects. As more information came out, public opinion kind of swayed to feeling like this woman is also a victim and you know she shouldn't have been left alone with these children. When the jury convicted her of capital murder and sentenced her to life in prison, how long did it take for that to get overturned? An appeal was filed almost immediately. And then Mm -hmm. one of the expert witnesses had testified, probably more mistakenly, it wasn't that anybody was trying to railroad her or anything like that, but he had testified that she had gotten the idea of drowning these children from an episode of Law and Order, which of course was a big show at the time. As it turns out, there was never an episode of Law and Order about a woman drowning her kids in the bathtub. I'm not exactly sure where that information came from, but it was enough for the judge to say she needs another trial. So here's where the the update comes in on this case, right? She has been in the mental facility in Texas now for over 15 years, getting treatment for several of her mental health issues. Is this where she's going to be for the rest of her life, Steve? Most likely, she's never going to leave there. Under the law, she has a right every year to have some sort of hearing to see if she's recovered enough that she can be released. Because on her second trial, she was found not guilty for reason of insanity. So because of that, that does mean that she doesn't have to spend the rest of her life there if she doesn't want to. But she is still getting intensive treatment. She feels like she's in the right place where she needs to be. So every year when it comes up for her to go through an assessment, uh, she denies it. She she declines to, mm. to be seen uh, because she's not trying to get out. And her lawyer has said, you know, if she gets out, what does she do? Where does she go? There's nowhere yeah. for her to go. What has her lawyer said? George Parnham, I think, is his name, and they're very close. He even has a foundation that's tied to this for for women dealing with postpartum depression. But what has he said about her memories of her children? Well, you know, obviously they haunt her. She she does have some home videos of her children that she does watch occasionally. She's haunted every day by what she did. There's never been a question that she did it. She's kind of in a hell of her own making. It's very sad all the way around that this is what she's going to be dealing with for the rest of her life. 
Steve, thank you so much for for digging back into the story with us and, and giving us all these updates. No problem. I don't know about you guys, but I am always looking for a new show. There is so much coming out in the next few weeks on Hulu, Netflix, Apple TV+, you name it. We are bringing in People's Brienne Helpman to give us the lowdown on this spring's must-watch shows. But first, did you see Forbes' latest billionaire list? Yours truly came in at number nowhere on there. But there are some very interesting names on this year's ranking, including one notable soon-to-be mom in particular. Getting into that right when we come back. Stay tuned. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we are back. Every year, Forbes releases their breakdown of who the wealthiest people in the world are in their annual World's Billionaires list. And thank goodness they do that so we don't have to keep track for ourselves. (laughs) Topping the list this year with a net worth of $219 billion, which is so much money it, it sounds made up, is probably someone you might have guessed, Elon Musk. The Tesla and SpaceX owner recently purchased a small stake in Twitter, and it sounds like he's going to push for that much-coveted edit button feature that the world has been clamoring for. Please and thank you. The list includes a lot of names you'd expect from commerce, pharmaceuticals, and of course tech giants like Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, and Bill Gates. But there's one newcomer to this year's billionaires list that doesn't fall under any of those umbrellas. Ellas. Ellas. get it? (laughs) That's right. If my terrible hint didn't give it away, 34-year-old pop star and Fenty mogul Rihanna is on the list. Riri is the first person from her native country of Barbados to be classified as a billionaire. And good for her. She's just your everyday 34-year-old multi-Grammy award-winning makeup and lingerie designer mother-to-be. You know, congrats to Rihanna for getting hers after all of the hard work she's put in for all of these years. She deserves it. Spring is here, and I don't know about you guys, but I need all the spring TV recs I can get. There's so much great content out there, and I need some help sifting through what are the best ones to watch, you know, because, you know, I ain't got time. (laughs) There are great shows that are premiering, but also there are great shows that are ending. Black-ish, I'm really going to miss you. Well, we've got an expert in the house to give us all the TV recommendations, and that's People's Senior Editor, Brianne Heldman. Hey, Brianne, welcome back to the show. Hi, Janine. Let's start talking about some of the shows that are coming back. Uh, There are going to be new seasons of A Black Lady Sketch Show, Selling Sunset, Barry, and so much more. So what shows are you most excited to see return? Oh, I am so excited for season two of The Flight Attendant, which is coming Mm -hmm. very soon on HBO Max. That's the Kaylee Kowoko drama. Now she's like a spy, but she's still a flight attendant. 
And Sharon Stone is going to be joining the seasons. And like you said, I can't wait for Selling Sunset. Russian Doll is also coming back, which that season one was way back in like 2019. It feels like a million years ago. And so much good new stuff. Let's get to the new shows that are premiering. What should people be checking out? Well, starting actually today is The Ultimatum on Netflix, which this is another weird dating show. It's from the same people who brought us Love is Blind. It is also hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey. And this one is about couples who are giving their partners ultimatums about getting married. You guys will have to choose to marry the person you've arrived here with or to split forever. Then on the 10th on AMC is the show 61st Street starring Courtney B. Vance. It is one of the most intense things I've watched in a really long time, a crime drama. But it's like one of those where the episodes are 50 minutes and you think it's 15 minutes. They're so intense and amazing. And then one of the shows I'm most excited for is coming on the 17th on Showtime. It's First Lady. This is with Viola Davis as Michelle Obama. Three different First Ladies all played by amazing stars. This one, I think everyone's really going to be talking about. What's what's the premise? Like, like, what are we getting about them and their lives in this show? You know, one of the things that's kind of weird is it's following three different first ladies from three different time periods. So it's, it's not entirely clear what the structure of the show will be. It seems like they'll be kind of interspliced with one another. Yeah. It's not like one episode is the Obamas and one episode is the Roosevelts. It'll be all a mix and a narrative. As we have seen everywhere, the Kardashians have a new show premiering on Hulu on April 14th. Once again, they will pull back the curtain into their lives. But I got to ask, how will this new show on Hulu be different than the one that just ended on E? Well, according to the creators, this will be a bit more documentary style. There'll be more scene openers. It'll feel a little bit more cinematic. But I think at the end of the day, it's not really going to feel that different. (laughs) We're still talking about the Kardashians. We're still talking about every single element of their lives. And what's kind of fun and fascinating is they ended keeping up with the Kardashians on E! after a million, hundred million seasons. And now they're launching this new show. And it, it seemed like, how can this go on? These people's lives can't be that interesting. But like, since the E! series ended, it's been nonstop action. I mean, down to... Literally, Monday morning at 2 a.m., Courtney having this secret wedding ceremony with Travis. We've got Kim and her divorce. You've got Chloe and all her drama with Tristan. All of that's still going to be there. I think everyone's going to be tuning in. You are the bane of my existence and the object of all my desires. Night and day, I dream of you. Well, before I let you go, we have to talk about a major spring show. Season two of Bridgerton was watched for 251.74 million hours. That's right. This past week, breaking all these records for the most viewed English language TV series. I had to bust out my calculator and do a little math. And that is almost 30,000 years of TV viewing. It's also worth noting that that is, that is a record for English. Of course, We all saw the big record happen last year with the most watched show ever on Netflix, Squid Game. And that hit 571.76 million hours, which is about 65,000 years. So Bridgerton has a ways to go, but plenty of time to get there. Well, Brianne, it's always wonderful to have you on. Thank you for stopping by. Of course. 
In some parts of the universe, maybe not in contempo casual, but in some parts, it's considered cool to know what's going on in the world. I agree with Paul Rudd from Clueless. And that's why it's time to fill you all in on why today is a very special day. Today is the birthday of People Magazine's reigning sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. Rudd turns the big 5'3 today, but honestly, it looks like he hasn't aged in 20 years. He's been in the biz for over 30 years and is still going strong. He's appeared in hilarious roles on TV and shows like Friends, Party Down, and played the not-so-bright Bobby Newport in Parks and Rec. You know, one time a guy stole some downhill skis out of my Jeep, and I was so mad, I punched a mailbox. I'm against crime, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And of course, Rudd has had iconic roles, big and small, in films like Wanderlust, Ant-Man, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Man, I don't know. I quit wearing a watch when I moved out here. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. No, like my cell phone has a clock on it, so I don't really need it. Oh, and we can't forget, he was the self-identified ladies' man, Brian Fantana, in Anchorman. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time, it works every time. I know we think of him as a lovable goofball, but did you know some of Fred's first acting roles were performing in Shakespeare plays, like he did alongside Kira Sedgwick in the Lincoln Center's 1998 production of Twelfth Night. The man has range. He is definitely one of those people who I will see in anything they do and who always makes me laugh. Happy birthday to one of our favorites, SMA, Paul Rudd. Well, thank you all for joining us today. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another episode of People Every Day.